Good morning, everybody. Thank you for cheering for me, honey, when David said I could come up. I appreciate that. <laughs> it was a quiet, woo. After 30-some years, that's pretty good. Special good morning to our friends online. We're so glad that you're joining us as well. Um, whether you are at home or here in the sanctuary, join me as we recite a prayer that's from the 1500s called the Serum Prayer. God, be in my head and in my understanding. God, be in my eyes and in my looking. God, be in my mouth and in my speaking. God, be in my heart and in my thinking. God, be at my end and at my departing. Amen. We used to have these big conferences in the movement that we were a part of for many years, and we loved going to these conferences, and there was kind of a rhythm um, to each session. So there would be really great worship, like what we started out with this morning, musical worship, and then the speaker would give an inspiring talk, and then would in some way invite the Holy Spirit. So often it would look like this. The speaker, he or she would finish talking, maybe hold out their hands, maybe wait a moment and say something like, come, come Holy Spirit, and wait, maybe say a little bit more, um, and see um, what that brought. But what they meant by that was they believed in the here and now presence of God, the God always with us, God always ready to heal us, God always ready to transform us. This was sort of, um, of saying, we are waiting on you, oh God, and not in so much an intellectual way, but a way saying, come God, come, touch me, touch us as a people. Honestly, these were some of my favorite moments. In general, my heart is open to things like this. Um, I love that. And I think as I would stand there like this, I would be saying, oh God, come. Come and heal me. God, come and transform me. Fill my heart with love. Make me more like Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Tom and I joke about this because whenever we went to these conferences, which we really loved so much, um, and there was this Holy Spirit moment, and I would be in ecstasy, like, come, come, Holy Spirit, I love you, God. Tom would look something like this. <laughs> Stiff, fairly uncomfortable, very suspicious. We are both in love with God, but we um, experience God quite differently. In that same season, though, 
there was a call from the national um, leadership to submit a vision. Like if you felt like God was speaking to you um, about uh, what the movement might look like going forward, I think it was particularly inviting pastors, but really anybody, submit that vision. And I remember Tom writing something about how he felt that our movement's belief in the Holy Spirit, we sometimes would call it divine encounters or power encounters, which we meant praying for the sick and sometimes seeing that sick person healed right then or praying for deliverance by which we would have meant freedom, liberation from any kind of bondage or praying for, for a word from God. We had a songwriter who was at our church for a long time who wrote a song, One Word From God Brings Me Back to Life. So having that already as kind of an ethos in the movement um, Tom wrote um, that he was um, envisioning seeing that spread to every uh, domain of life. So I remember him articulating a vision of that same Holy Spirit who animates these power encounters, that same Holy Spirit helping and healing all of broken humanity. And Tom figured, since we already believed in the power and the activity of this compassionate, active presence of God, why wouldn't we want and expect that power and presence of God in every domain of life? So Tom believed that the Holy Spirit um, was every bit as much at work in his genetic lab as at a prayer time at church. He and we wanted a vision of the Holy Spirit lighting up, electrifying, blessing, healing the cosmos. All of creation, we wanted every moment to become Holy Spirit. So I love this vision. This is still what he and I believe in, that we can say, come Holy Spirit at a big conference, that we can say, come. Holy Spirit at church on Sunday, that we can say, come Holy Spirit in school or at work or on Woodpeck, Woodpecker Trail as we're hiking and expect the Holy Spirit, the Holy Presence of God. Come Holy Spirit in the doctor's office. Come Holy Spirit, our earth needs you. Creation is groaning for you, oh God and on and on and on. Well, we left that movement and lots of our theology has changed. But what hasn't changed for us is this belief in the eternally animating spirit of the living God. The God be in my everything part of God. The God you are my all in all. Part of God, we believe that God is everywhere and there's absolutely no way to escape the power and goodness of God. So before we go on, join me in reading from Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, 
If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. This morning, I want to give us the opportunity to know, to connect with the Holy Spirit, animating presence of God through a few prayer experiences. So we have a special service like this about three times a year where there is a little bit less teaching and more um, opportunity for experience. And my hope or goal for this morning is that everybody will at least have a moment of connecting with something to something deeper, a moment beyond ourselves. So what we're going to do next is we are going to take a minute and we are going to breathe in the Spirit of God. So in Hebrew, the word ruach, um, which happens to be feminine. So if you want to refer to the Holy Spirit as she, it's pretty intuitive. Um, but the word ruach um, refers to the Holy Spirit. It translates spirit or breath or sometimes wind. So when the Old Testament talks about the Spirit of the Lord or the Spirit of God, the word for spirit is ruach. So the ruach, the Spirit of God, was hovering over the waters in Genesis 1-2. In Numbers, Moses says, may the Lord, the God, who gives ruach, breath, to all living things. Isaiah says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The ruach, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The ruach of wisdom and of understanding. The ruach of counsel and might. The ruach of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So this is all ruach. It's spelled in English, R-U-A-C-H, pronounced ruach. Try it. Okay. Gentiles don't always do the ch as well as Jews, but we Jews are a forgiving bunch. So we're going to just take a minute, and I'll tell you when, but we are going to say ruach to ourselves for just a moment. And if you don't want to repeat that and you're more comfortable saying spirit or spirit of God or come Holy Spirit, you can do it how you want. Um, sometimes when I do something like this, and I'm trying to invite God's presence, I might do something um, like hold my hands open. And the reason I do that is not only to show like reverence in some way to God, but actually to signal to myself, like I am open to connecting with you, God. So take a moment and whatever posture would be helpful for you, I'm going to start by saying ruach out loud just a few times. And then as I stop, we're just going to take a moment of silence. 
and you are invited to use that minute how you would like. All right, come Holy Spirit. Ruach. 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 Just take a moment or a minute of silence. Amen. We at Sanctuary, we have a contemplative offering, a contemplative service every third um, Wednesday night for those who are interested. They're quite lovely um, experiences and contemplative prayer is just another way of saying, come Holy Spirit. It is an intentional slowing down to find God through various practices. And Corey Hutchinson-Reese is one of our guides on those Wednesday nights, and she reads um, words which she wrote um, each Wednesday. And she's gonna come up for us this morning, and she's gonna lead this next practice that we do on Wednesday nights. And I encourage you not just to join in on the practice, but to let her words be part of the experience, part of the meditation. Uh, so contemplative practices are centuries old and take many forms devotional reading, centering prayer, and walking meditation, just to name a few. In the Christian tradition, to practice contemplation is to intentionally place our whole selves in the presence of one great love, to move our knowledge of God into our bodies, our breathing, our emotional patterns, as well as our thoughts. And when we regularly engage in contemplative practices, they can have the comforting, familiar quality of liturgy, like walking a path over and over until the trail is distinct and readily available. Contemplation can also unsettle or even aggravate us because we're unaccustomed to traveling in quiet, to being in the dark, to listening to the unique expression of the divine image in each of us and following it in freedom. Daily work, studies, commitments, the news, they require our attention and our labor, yet they can drain or fragment us, confuse our sense of who and whose we are. Contemplative practice helps us remember God as the ground of our being 
it teaches us to trust that ground. So please join me in praying a refrain that's a combination of Psalm 62.1 and Acts 17.28. It's very simple. My soul finds rest in God alone, for in God we live and move and have our being. We'll say it about five times, pausing for a few breaths between each repetition. And each time I'll cue us by saying, we pray. So you can close your eyes and settle in. And um, between the repetitions, I just invite you to relax, breathe deeply and slowly, and let the words settle in as we pray them. We pray. My soul finds rest in God alone, for in God we live and move and have our being. We pray, my soul finds rest in God alone, for in God we live and move and have our being. We pray, my soul finds rest in God alone, for in God we live and move and have our being. We pray, my soul finds rest in God alone, for in God we live and move and have our being. We pray, my soul finds rest in God alone, for in God we live and move and have our being. Amen. Each time I was practicing for this morning, I'd come out and see Tom, and I'd be like, hi, how are you? <laughs> it's like, oh, going over your teaching again? <laughs> it was very early in the morning and still dark, 
Jesus got up and left the house. He went to a place where he could be alone. And there he prayed. There are all kinds of reasons that it can be hard for us to pray or to meditate. For some of us, maybe we've just never cultivated that habit or that practice. And for some of us, maybe the doubts we are having in this season, like what is God after all? Who is God? What can we trust? Maybe our own processes of deconstruction make prayer harder. For some, prayer means coming before God. It means a kind of stilling, which can mean facing whatever it is that we spend so much time avoiding facing. Sometimes it doesn't feel like good news coming face to face with ourselves. One of my beloved sons was diagnosed earlier this year with a pretty serious esophageal problem that would require surgery. There were a number of things that made this a really hard season for me. I will enumerate. Number one, I am his mommy. Number two, it is a rare disease, so there's not much known about it. So even trying to look it up to gain some comfort in just knowing was limited. Number three, it was during COVID. And uh, everything is worse during COVID. Everything's more stressful, but we never knew if his surgery would be canceled at the last minute because it was elective or considered elective. Um, number four, did I say I was his mommy? And to be clear, I still am. That came out a little bit questionable. Number five, my son was compromised. So I was watching him suffer, watching him lose quite a bit of weight until his surgery. And I say this to say that during that time, prayer became harder for me rather than easier. I really just wanted to escape until it was over. And prayer brought me face to face with my pain. So my prayers looked different in that season. They were more like groans than articulations. Sometimes I felt bad because I couldn't pray in the way I was used to praying. But looking back, I realized there was not a moment that I was not crying out for my son. Not a moment that I was not crying out to God to make me the best mom I could be for my adult children. Prayer goes far beyond our verbal utterance. Sometimes it is just 
the beating of our hearts. We're going to take just a moment to ask ourselves, where am I at with prayer in this season? Is it natural and easy? Is it routine? Is it occasional? Formal? Is it conversational? Maybe you're praying without words like me, maybe with groans. We're just going to take like 20 seconds where you're just asking yourself, actually, what does prayer look like for me right now? Amen. It's not always easy to know how to find God, where to find God, how to hear from God. I'm going to read a lovely poem that'll be projected by my favorite mystic mentor and saint, Teresa of Avila. And Teresa believes that our souls always long for God. She believes deeply in what happens um, for us in an interior experience with God. Some of you know I spent most of last year, the first year of COVID, um, listening to a book of the, that she wrote of her life. Um, and actually she wrote it for the Inquisition but deeply spiritual, deeply moving, deeping, deeply impactful for me, again and again and again, calling me back to God. So I'm going to read this poem, and you can follow along. Your eyes open or closed. Soul, you must seek yourself in me. And me, you must seek in yourself. You were created for love, beautiful, gracious, and thus in my heart painted. Should you lose yourself, oh my beloved soul, you must seek yourself in me. But if perhaps you should not know where you may find me, do not go hither or thither. But if you should wish to find me, me, you must seek in yourself. Teresa is advocating for our interior journey, which to her is where we meet God and where all the action really is. In Thessalonians it says, Rejoice 
always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We are invited to pray continually. And this can be intimidating or it can be simply inviting us to be present to the ever-present presence of God. It is an invitation to know that everywhere we look, in all things, God, Emmanuel, God with us is with us. I'll close with this last story and one final short practice. So I asked two women in our church, Dana Lehman and Amy Hospodarski, if they could plan a perfect event, what would it look like? And I specifically said, I don't want you to think what I would think would be a perfect event. I want you to think what you would think would be a perfect event. And immediately they started talking about a women-slash-non-binary dance party. They were dreaming of the songs that they'd play and the wine that they'd serve and the comfort food that we could eat. Um, we said, given COVID, if we had 20 people that registered that said they would come, that we would go ahead with it. Okay. This evening, I so wish that everybody could have been there. It was so amazing. There were older women, there were younger women, everything in between. And at some point, Amy and Dana um, moved us from sitting around a fire ring to a dance floor that Dana had prepared in her backyard, replete with a disco uh, ball from hanging from above. Um, and it took just a little while before it started happening. But after a few minutes, like, everyone started moving. And it was as if 18 months of COVID life, at least for a moment, was falling away. And when we danced to YMCA, it was unclear if we were worshiping Jesus <laughs> or dancing to YMCA, and maybe, maybe we were doing both. I saw women dancing with ecstatic smiles on their faces that I knew have had a rough go of it for the last 18 months. And it felt every bit a come Holy Spirit moment. It was a moment where life faded away, right? For just a minute, an isolated, painful living gave way to sweet, joyful communion. There are infinite ways to say, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Be with me, Holy Spirit of God. Fall on me, Holy Spirit. Come, come to our dance parties, 
Holy Spirit of God. So one final practice. Before we move into communion this morning, this will be an imaginative practice. I'm going to describe it first, so that you don't have to start doing it right away, because I'll actually lead us into it. But um, we're going to take a moment. We've done similar things since before, and we're just going to think of a, a favorite or a lovely space, a garden, woods, the ocean, sitting before your Christmas tree, but, but probably a place, a solitary place like Jesus. Um, so you're thinking of what that place is for you, um, and wherever that place is, once we start, I'm going to, um, uh, then I'm going to say that there is a person walking to you, and that person seems to embody love, but not just to embody love, but to be love, and that person has a message for you, and then we're going to take a moment to hear what that message might be. Make sense? Okay, so posture however you want, and find the solitary place that, like Jesus, you find yourself in this morning. I'll just give a few seconds. And there is a person who seems to embody love, but not just embody love, but to be love itself, walking toward you. And that person has something to say to you. So take 30 seconds and hear what love has to say to you this morning. As we're closing, I'll just say how lovely if we just did this every day, found ourselves somewhere open to love, open to God, the God who is love, and hearing what God has to say to us. Amen. We are going to move into communion and uh, prayer ministry at this time. We're gonna...